Hi, this is Polly with another episode of Conversations with Psychics, podcasts to help us find out what psychics do, how they do it and why. Join me in discovering that they are everyday people who do extraordinary things. In this, the second of two podcasts with Avril Price, Tarot Master, she takes us through how she got into tarot, how she taught herself and the history of tarot. If you haven't heard it already, have a listen of part one as it really will blow you away. Without further ado, take it away, Avril. I was always that kind of a child that was highly perceptive. Um, I was never a one for seeing ghosts through windows and coming through doors and all of that malarkey. That wasn't my style, but I could read people from being very young. And I was always, always interested in psychic phenomena from being very small, whether it was astrology, numerology, you know. Throughout the, my formative years, I kind of unpacked lots of these modalities. You, you know, and I was very interested in reading about people who had very spiritual lives, whether they were mediums or Buddhists or, you, you know. I've, and I've explored lots of different aspects of alternative religion. And, you know, I come from quite a colourful, vibrant family, so, you know, around the dinner table there would have been lots of interesting conversations about this kind of thing anyway. Anyway, I, must, I got my first tarot pack when I was 23, which is a very long time ago now. And it was given to me by a then boyfriend who thought I would appreciate them knowing, him knowing that I was very much into you know, this kind of field, the psychic or spiritual field. He had no use for them. He, he just, someone gave them to him and he, he had them in a box under his bed or something. Anyway, this boyfriend later became uh, a father of my two children. Long story short, the, the relationship went sour. It ended rather badly. I kept the cards and the kids. <laughs> the cards and the kids. <laughs> and I, I, as it happened, I ended up in a domestic violence uh, house yeah and it's actual fact i have those that time to thank for launching me into my tarot path my tarot journey if you like and it's interesting because when the cards were put in my hands i knew i knew that we were going to have a relationship me and those cards we were joined at the hip how how did you i don't know it was just a flash of insight it was a knowing because it, it was it was a gnostic moment you know that that gnosis is when we know without knowing that i the, we were going to be doing work together did you experience it as um doing work together or did you experience it as um a sort of coming home actually coming home is a really good description for it it was that there was a sense of feeling complete and it, it, it kind of filled a space that, that had been waiting, you know, in, in my rather tardy spiritual studies because I'd had no mentor up until that point. So, you know, it was dipping in and out. So I now had something to really focus on. Do you think you did it in a past life? Yeah, I do. I think that there is certainly... Because when I teach, I channel, and I, 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 
sometimes when I reflect on that channeling moment, there is a sense that I've spoken those words before somewhere oh. or held that space oh. somewhere before. And it's definitely... Uh, in fact, I could expound further um, insofar as I, I'm very interested in... Uh, Middle Eastern history, 12th century Middle Eastern history. I have a natural affinity with some of the mystics and scholars of that time. I can't read enough about it sometimes. And yeah. I really feel that there's a strong connection with what they were trying to espouse at that time and what I am. I see it as a continuation. So the tarot cards come from that time? Yeah. Oh. Okay, so the history of tarot is the real beginning of it is lost in the mist of time, and there are many, many, many ideas and theories about where they actually came from. Yeah. So, one supposition is that the Mamluks, which were warrior slaves from Egypt, uh, created imagery around that. In an actual fact, um, the word tarot could come from the Egyptian tarosh, which means royal road. Wow. Um, I'm very interested in North Africa, southern Spain, Damascus, Babylon. I tend to lean more towards the Sumerians and the Egyptians in my in, in my uh, in my thinking. So I do believe there are soul connections. You know. Yeah. Um, so going back to the beginning, I think that the tarot started in Cordoba in 749 with a Arabic king called Abdurrahman who basically built Cordoba Mosque, which uh, then later became a cathedral in the Queen Isabella and all of her mob. And the cards came with the Saracens. And if you have a look, uh, even today, at the North African playing cards, they are the spitting image of uh, what we now recognise as court cards and pips, pips being the minor arcana. And um, what's interesting about that period, certainly between the 9th century and the 12th century is it's that bridge between early uh, early theological thinking and the renaissance yeah. because then tarot took a real emergence in italy uh, and the, uh, the first account of the of the cards was in 1379 in a place called viterbo which is in northern Italy. God, you know your stuff, don't and, you? And at that time in Italy, you had French and Italian popes. Yeah. And that's and the, the, the church was the business. Church owned the church land, the church buildings. And tarot became a way of people communicating about themselves about the middle races people begin to get really interested in themselves and their own spiritual development yeah. and so it was a way of talking 
about things beyond the, the, the confines of the church without being burnt for heresy, basically. At the same time, the cards were also used as a teaching tool to teach about the social classes, the difference between the social classes in society. And I do believe that it was the language of merchants that, y you know, um, you'd, you'd have these cards to show that, um, you, you know, what the various merchants were selling or doing. And I think that's where the fortune telling may have come in. Having said that, uh, the early name for tarot cards is Taroki or Triumphi, which is a card playing game. And I think that built into this game of Taroki was that the, you could uh, build in a, a likeness or a symbiosis in which what was going on in society as well. And then, of course, you've got things like the, the Visconti Sforza deck, which was in the 14 something in the 1430, 1440s, which was painted for the Milan, Duke of Milan. And the images are based on the people of his court and they were made as a, as a wedding present. So, and then you've got the Sola Busca deck, which is deeply interesting because... I almost fell. I'll tell you what. The Sola Busca deck is what the, the Rider-Waite-Smith deck is based on the Sola Busca deck. And the Sola Busca deck is made of politicians of the time, archetypes of the time, and an astrological symbolism of the time. But hang on, I've got a question here. Mm. So when you say the 78 cards represent an aspect of the, the soul, mm. then how come you end up then with a deck that has, um, for example, politicians in it? I don't, I don't get ah, that. You see, what, what that is, is... What, it, it, it's like the, 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 the politicians or the, or the people, the movers and groovers, like the Medicis of the time, had great effect on how people experienced life because you had serfdom then. Yeah. So it's, it's like um, they, they were influencers. So, you know, you've got to look at it almost metaphorically as what each... As, as what each person what each figure would represent go back now to so you got these things put into your hand and you thought you felt a knowing and that you felt that you had sometimes when you're teaching you feel that you, you, you've said the words before yes so you got these cards so i got these cards and at that time i was in a i, I was living with other women who would also uh been through a kind of the domestic violence situation and um, living was crude because there's a lot of us in a small space so you know it's like one shelf in the fridge one shelf in the cupboard shared washing machine and there'll be about half a dozen women and about 10 kids 15 kids mm. and we've all under a lot of stress because We've had to give up homes. We've had to give up belongings. Some of the girls had arrived at the house literally in the clothes that they stood up in. Uh, there was always this kind of sword of Damocles over your head that you were going to get discovered. Uh, it was getting your kids to school, getting yourself rehoused. It was a super intense environment. And people... Um, and then we've all got to live with each other as well at yeah, the same time. Yeah. Um, 
so what I, what was remarkable was that I found that tarot became an opportunity for us to all sit down the table and discuss our issues and have a bit of hope. The cards gave us optimism and hope as to how we could solve our problems. Yeah. So on a Monday night, when everybody had been paid, there was a big bottle of vodka in the middle of the table and we'd all sit round and share the vodka. And this was a new one. So there hadn't been much sharing up until this point. Uh, but they knew I had the cards. So I said, let's have an evening where we, we play with these cards. And of course, everybody was into it. Everybody wanted to do it. And uh, even though I, you know, I was completely new to it. But boy, what, what, a, what a baptism of fire that was, you know. In what way? Because you, you, you were thrown right into dealing with the nitty gritty of, of life. And how the cards could reflect, A, what that looked like, what your nitty gritty looked like, but also give you really sound advice and even instructions as to how you could move out of that difficult place. Do you mean like nitty gritty, so for example, unpleasant truths? Yeah, like um, tarot's so truthful. So, so it could be something like you you think that you're a victim but actually you're the bully that yeah that's that that's been said or that you are a victim because you've made poor life choices oh. or that you could have been doing something else or that um uh or 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 it could reinforce your sadness and your pain it could confirm that you are in the... So, oh my God, this is just too much. Um, the, but how come you managed to avoid having punch-ups then? Because oh, it's, you, the, it's the way you tell them. Yeah, because if you're saying to someone, you, you know, who thinks they're a victim and then you turn around and say, well, actually, you're a right cow. No, you don't. <laughs> well, you don't put it like that, do you? So, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't quite be like that, Polly. So you'd all sit around the table and, um, you know, the, the main question was, am I going to get rehoused? What is problems with my housing? Is my ex-partner going to find me? Am I going to be free from him? Am I going to have a new man? Um, and am I going to be okay? How's my health? You know, yeah. and, and am I, you know, I going to get a job? Yeah. It was, these are huge questions. The, the beauty of that, was the questions are fundamental to your existence and basically will underpin what most people come and ask about anyway. So if you ask the tarot serious questions, they'll get, you'll get decent answers. If you ask it something frivolous, this is a question. If you say, because you just said it's, it's fundamental to your life. Mm. If you ask the tarot, tarot, oh, I don't know, should I have jam or honey? Oh, I'll answer that as well, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when you... that that Where tarot can be obstinate is where you keep asking it the same question. And eventually the tarot will turn around and say, but enough now, because you already know the answer. And how do you know that that happens, when it just makes no sense? Yeah, when it's just nonsense, just gibberish. You, But this is extraordinary. So you would go around the room with all these ladies and... 
you'd get very, very different answers. Yeah, about and because everybody's lives are different, everybody's vibration is different, everybody's personality is different, everybody's path is different. Even though you've got the same query, your journey to your end result is different from your. Because you, you you know it may for example, um, so somebody might be waiting to rehouse. But they may have a, a, a sibling that they need to take care of. So that sibling's going to have to move in with them. So suddenly, you know, it's about you, you, you might be being advised about how to be more self-aware, that you might need boundaries that and the steps that you need to take in order to sec secure your position. I mean, presumably, because you were a group there, you could see the, the results of this. So yeah. if you told her, I don't know, Marjorie, that she was going to get a house with a field outside, a nice view into a field, and then suddenly Marjorie gets a house with a nice view in a field, you must have been sitting there thinking, holy smokes. Like, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, but you must have seen the results. Well, sometimes, well, you see, the way I come from is, is psycho-spiritual. So it's about the journey of spirit in human form. So what, what a lot of the stuff I got then, as I do now, it's about um, working through... Manifest, it's, it's about what you... We manifest everything. So what we manifest has to be in alignment with our core inner core reality so if you're feeling not very optimistic or a little bit down or you're, you're putting blockages in the way emotionally the cards will tell you that you are hindering yourself that it's that in actual fact you've got to work through some of this emotional stuff before you can be in a clearing of space for manifestation to happen and it will also give you insights into who key players are whether it's your social worker or your sister or whoever who are going to be influential in you securing what it is that you're you're setting out to achieve it's really it's extraordinary this is a real eye-opener just before i forget going back to so you're in the women's refuge and then how did it then develop from there look no first question how did you, how did you know what to do? How did you teach yourself? Re reading for myself, you're your own best specimen. And uh, I had my, my go-to book. I only had one book on tarot at the time. And it was by a guy called Alfred Douglas. And I still have the book. Yeah. And it's in tatters now. It's, it's dog-eared and brown and pages falling out. <laughs> and uh, because, I, you know, obviously I, I began a new chapter in my life. My, uh, my kids started going to school we had our own lovely home and blah 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 but I still do, I, I, you know I, I was a single mum so I, I couldn't go to work at that time full time I had to get some work skills so I did a lot of volunteering at the time so in between all of that uh, I was still playing with my cards and I, I learnt through play then I'd read up about it and then little by little I developed my library and got more books. I started reading for friends. I tell you, there's nothing nicer than reading for a girlfriend where you get a bottle of red wine and chocolate pie and she wants it. Is he coming back? <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's great work experience. 